It's time to find your inner peace and discover the keys to success. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Good Karma. Whether you are a newbie or an experienced internet explorer, our host will find the answers that you seek. Ask the questions that others are afraid to ask so that you may reap the rewards of your good karma. And now, here's the host of Good Karma, Good ROI, Greg Nyland. Excellent. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another excellent show. This week, we have a real humdinger. We have (laughs) something that we've never done before. I normally keep the show very clean because, hey, you never know if my mom or my mother-in-law is listening in. But this week, we're going a little off the beaten path. I have a pornographer on the show today, and not just a pornographer, a kinky fetish pornographer. Everybody give a warm round of applause. Jennifer Laycock, of, editor of SearchEngineGuide.com, uh, who recently <laughs> has had her breastfeeding site labeled pornography. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Greg. How are you? <laughs> it's been an interesting um, week. So, For anybody that doesn't know what's going on, um, let's explain what's going on. What's Uh, going on with your breastfeeding site? Basically what's going on, um, I think a lot of people in the industry know that I've got sort of a little hobby site that I use for case studies. It's called The Lactivist. It's a little bit on the irreverent side, though not quite porn. Um, And basically it's just sort of a funny site that aims to promote breastfeeding, breast milk banking, a couple causes that are near and dear to my heart. So last week I got this uh, wonderfully entertaining cease and desist letter from the lawyer representing the National Pork Board basically saying that one of my shirts, which read the other white milk instead of the other white meat, was violating their trademark. But the interesting thing about it was that there was a section in there that basically said I was tainting pork's good name because my site clearly promoted the consumption of breast milk beyond infant something. Basically... They thought I was pushing adult breastfeeding fetish type stuff. So, <laughs> right, because it's so easy to confuse that with your site. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing she didn't spend more than, say, two or three seconds on the site if that's the conclusion she came to. <laughs> I don't even think she visited your site I, because any, like, if you spent a millisecond on your site, it's quite clear that you're just promoting, uh, promoting the good health of babies, you know? You know, that's what you and I would think, but I guess if you spend all day long sending cease and desist letters, your sense of humor might get a little warped. So maybe, (laughs) I don't know, you kind of pop some ideas in there that aren't really there. Yeah. Um, So that happened. That started off the whole big, you know, um, (laughs) giggles, headaches, everything else. (laughs) Um, So what's the latest update on that? Uh, the latest update is I, um, the lawyer that was representing me had some talks with them over the weekend, and basically they issued a very nice, very sincere apology for the way the letter came across, for any implication that my site was anything other than breastfeeding. <laughs> and the nice thing, and this is a really great example of how social media works, the nice thing is instead of just apologizing, they wanted to go a little above and beyond that, and their their initial idea was to make a donation from the National Pork Board to the Mother's Milk Bank of Ohio, which is a uh, the local milk bank here that I do a lot of fundraising efforts for. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that because there's some weird legalese as far as they're sort of a quasi-government organization. So what they did is they still felt strongly enough about wanting to make that donation that the executives are all dipping into their own pockets and basically opening it up anyone involved with the National Pork Board to make a private donation. They're going to kind of lump all that money together, and I'm hoping sometime within the next week or so to actually have a dollar figure from them, but they're going to make a personal contribution instead of, you know, sort of dipping into the corporate coffers. So it ended up having a really great resolution, good example of a company doing the right thing. Exactly. Everybody makes mistakes in time. I've made many mistakes. I'm sure I'm going to make more mistakes. But what you want to see is when people make mistakes, that they correct it properly and that they do the right thing, which National Pork Board completely has. Yes, exactly. The nice thing, and I'm actually, right when you called, I'm on uh, Technorati just checking to see what sort of the latest buzz is on it. And I can watch, you know, they've got that great little chart for mentions by day of a search term. 
Mm-hmm. And it was that great spike when it first happened, and then it kind of dropped off over the weekend. But when I announced the whole apology thing and the resolution to it, there's been a second spike, and people are really getting out there again and spreading the word of what they did do. And I was really curious to see how that would work because, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to go out and slam people and complain about things. It's not quite as much fun to say, oh, hey, they did the right thing. This is cool. But that seems to be happening. So it's kind of interesting to see that people – are almost as willing to spread the good news as they were to spread the bad news. Which is what you always hope to see, that, you know, people are even and, you know, give as much press for good things as they give for bad things. Right, because that's, you know, it's sort of that good karma. That's the way that we convince people to do the right thing, is if they find out they're going to get just as much good press, or preferably more, when they fix things, you know, it's a little more incentive to get out there and do it. And on a little side note, um, you also were selling these T-shirts to raise money. So anybody listening, if you're looking for a really cute, fun T-shirt, um, this would be actually a great little unique Valentine's Day gift to a new mother. Um, exactly. So head on over. What's the site that they can go and buy a T-shirt and make the donations? Um, if they just go to thelactivist.com, it'll forward over to everything else they need to get to. And actually, it doesn't just have to be for a new mother. A new mother could buy it for a new father, because we do have some great men shirts, too, like I play with my baby's food. <laughs> yes, yeah, you can't you overlook do. those ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are countless funny <laughs> sayings um, on the shirts for men and women, <laughs> yeah. and also uh, children. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah, we've got Boot Monster and Boot Man and all sorts of great ones for kids. Um, was the shirt that your uh, child was wearing on your blog one of the ones that you sell at the time I thought it was a good idea? Uh, no, I, I really wish I'd come up with that on that one on my own. <laughs> no, that actually came from Target. She's got two that are like that. One says it seemed like a good idea at the time, which was just so appropriate in light of everything that happened with the pork board. <laughs> The other one I actually like a little bit better that says, I try to be good, but I get so bored. So, <laughs> Priceless. Yeah, those shirts and the lactivist shirts, they kind of sum up the sense of humor that you got to have to get through your day as a mom at home with a two-year-old and a four-month-old. Oh, yes. And also, let's not forget, um, in the SEO business, there are many stay-at-home dads. Yeah. Um, Michael, uh, a.k.a. Gray Wolf, he's a stay-at-home dad. Well, and actually, Search Engine Guide's publisher, Robert Clough, who I'm pretty sure is probably listening to us right now, is also a stay-at-home dad. He's, uh, he's been home ever since he, since he started Search Engine Guide and uh, raises his two little ones. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's tons of them out there, dads and, and ladies. All righty. So enough fun at the expense of the National Pork Council, who went above and beyond, and they're making a personal contribution, not just you know, taking money out of their organization, but they're opening up their own personal wallets, so kudos to them. Um, let's talk about some things, people listening for newbies, how you can, you know, what you can learn from this story of what Jennifer went through and all that fun stuff. So um, you have probably just got a really good firsthand experience about fair use and trademark law. Any tips you want to share about that? Um, yeah, that's a, this is still a tough one, even, even after it's said and done. Um, I've had a couple complaints because I didn't fight it, and I did actually you know, take the shirt down and put up something they were a little happier with. It's kind of a catch-22 when you're online, and I'll issue this warning to anyone out there that's thinking about getting creative with someone else's you know, trademarked phrase. Obviously, parody is protected, and... Usually these types of things, like if I had gone to court, I'm about 95% confident we would have won. The problem is if you're a little at-home business person, you know, being able to fight that, being able to get the money to come up with it to fight it, or even just taking the time is pretty difficult. Now, in my situation, it would have been a little easier because I had plenty of offers from, you know, attorneys that would serve pro bono, but nonetheless, you're still talking a lot of time and effort. So... The great thing about the Internet is that it does let all these little businesses get out there and start business. The bad thing is it's so easy for lawyers to go out, run a Google search, and fire off, you know, 20 cease and desists in a matter of 10 minutes. And unless you've got the backing to be able to fight it, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It really doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. You're still going to end up having to take something down. So my best option would be, 
you know, just come up with something creative on your own. I've got some great shirts on there that, you know, aren't trademarked by anyone or don't even skim close to someone's trademark, and obviously those are going to play a lot better. So I think it's really just easier to kind of avoid the problem to begin with. Yeah, very true. coming up with a way to deal with it, which kind of stinks, but that's life on the Internet. Well, I actually had a bit of a problem with a domain that was very similar to a domain that Anheuser-Busch wanted to use. Uh-huh. And, of course, they come along to me and they say, get off it, we've registered, you know, this copyright. And it was for a generic term. And so I'm like, um, no, I don't agree with this. And they then filed WIPO action against me. Oh, jeez. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm in the right. I know I'm going to win this. But, again, it comes down to what's the ROI. How right. much is this domain that I registered, like, you know, two years ago going to make me? probably not a lot of money because I really wasn't developing it into a monster site. It was just, you know, pretty much a placeholder. And then how much is this going to cost me? It's going to probably distract me at least five hours every week for the next several months, if not year. I'm going to have to hire lawyers. Even if I get a pro bono lawyer, you know, I'm still wasting five hours a week. So because of all that, I just said, nuts, Anheuser-Busch, go ahead, have this lovely domain. Yeah, that <laughs> that's that's where you gotta kind of hope that you know the karma thing works out in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I lost a shirt this week that I'd sold all of two versions of. You know, I made a grand grand total of eight dollars off the shirt over the last year. Now, in response to all the publicity that came from that, I've sold sixty shirts in the last seven days, and on an average month, I would have sold maybe ten or fifteen shirts in that amount of time. So. You know, I would say if someone else runs into something like this, if you can find a way to sort of parlay it into something good, even if you ultimately lose that fight, you know, then, hey, that's worth doing it. Getting some buzz out there in the Internet, gaining some new incoming links, that wasn't really my intent in doing this, you know, to get links or to sell shirts. Quite honestly, I've, you know, I've been ranting on social media for the last two weeks and how social media doesn't result in increased sales. Okay, clearly I was wrong in this case. <laughs> so... I'll admit it. I'll be writing stuff on Search Engine Guide that says as much. But, you know, figure out some creative way to say, okay, well, that didn't work for me, but let's try a little harder and see what else we can come up with. And usually it pays off in the end. Well, that brings up another great point but uh, about social media and social marketing. Let's take a quick commercial break, listen to our fabulous sponsors, and we'll be right back with Jennifer Laycock talking about social uh, marketing and how to make the most of it. Stay tuned, everybody. Stick around. Good Karma. We'll be back after this short break. Excellent, excellent. Know how to get the best return on your advertising dollar? Clicksore.com. Yeah, ever since we began marketing with more precise content, target technology from Clicksore.com, we've seen a huge jump in visitors converting to buyers for just over one-third of a cent per view. To get over 300 categories, unlimited keywords and ad placement on over 100,000 sites, click on Clicksore.com today. That's Clicksore.com. Your bottom line will thank you. Clicksore.com. Delivers where it matters for you. Have you heard that content is king? Yeah. What's that mean? I don't even have a clue. Hmm. Wonder if that's important. Important? Search engine optimized web content is essential. Essential for maximizing page rank. Essential for increasing sales. GetWebContent.com is the internet's foremost provider of custom written search engine optimized copy. GetWebContent.com is easy to access and ultra cost effective. Right now, copy is indeed king. And GetWebContent.com is the king of copy. Check it out today. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. 
over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. Incredibly entertaining. I want to ask you a question that comes with controversy. Oh, now you're really tapping into it, Byron. See, now you get a chance to ask all the questions that you always wanted to know. Even better, this is going to be podcast so we can listen and laugh later. This is one of your favorite things. Keep it simple, stupid. Tiger, tiger, tiger. Yeah, no question. I think it was tiger, 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 tiger. <laughs> he is the name. I mean, he is what golf is uh, resting on right now. <laughs> I think he's a great team player. He did buy his wife a new yacht. Yeah, well, for that team, he's doing well. Yeah. <laughs> Get to know Melanie Mayer on Life Tips, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, only on webmasterradio.fm. Cyberspace, the final frontier. These are the voyages of your new business enterprise. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new domains, to seek out new sites and new monetizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. WebmasterRadio.fm. So logical. You'll go out of your Vulcan mind. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Now back to Good Karma, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Greg Nyland. I have Jennifer Laycock on the line. And we're just talking about all of the uh, stuff that went on with her uh, lawsuit against her breastfeeding website by the National Pork Council. And then, you know, she had a epiphany, I guess we can call it, about social marketing. Um, so, Jennifer, what have uh, you learned about social marketing over the last week? I don't know if I really want to call it epiphany. I mean, I don't know if we go that far. It was like 35 <laughs> extra shirts. We're not talking millions. But... Um, but I guess if I do the math on that, it is like triple sales. So I think probably... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Triple sales, 300% increase? Well, yeah, okay, I know. That, that's pretty We're big. epiphany. We're at, epiphany level, I say, is 250 or better. <laughs> you're at okay, 300, you're, so that's clearly epiphany level. Seriously trying to backpedal over here. Now, <laughs> I think what it boils down to, because I'll still stand by... You know, my statements from ages ago that, you know, like if you're a dentist, Dig is not the place to promote, you know, your site, unless you've got some brand spanking crazy new offering, you know, that's going to get in Dig. General commerce, I don't think it's really going to fly. I think the thing that really made this hit, I mean, if you spent any time on Technorati looking at the blog posts on this, the amount of humor that you can come up with in your blog posts when you're talking about the pork board suing a lactivist, I mean, that alone is going to guarantee that people are going to write about it because, you know, you've got breasts and pork. It's, it's funny. It's funny stuff. So I think it's probably that, you know, what I was offering was so niche and so humorous, you know, that that really played a big role in this. You know, again, we're not just talking widgets here. We're talking something that's a little more unusual. But I think the thing for me was probably just seeing how fast something would spread. And as someone who writes on viral media, I mean, I should know that a good viral marketing campaign is going to spread fast. But it just blew me away to see that I could make a post on my blog, email, oh, maybe 12 people, you know, five minutes after I made that post. Mm -hmm. And within 24 hours, there were 
250, 300 bloggers out there talking about it. And, you know, this is not like a huge national media level story. This is a pretty, you know, small level story in the grand scheme of things. So it was just interesting to, you know, see just how fast something could spread from the personal side of things. And then, of course, sort of the, oh, you know that game you played when you were a little kid called Telephone where everyone whispered something in someone else's ear? Right. You know, the idea was to find out what it sounded like when it got to the other end. So I think to see how that factors into social media, because to sit here and read other people's comments when I really couldn't get out there and say anything myself, and to read all the stuff where I'd go, wait, I never said that, or no, that's not true, where did they find that out? You know, just the way that the story spreads is sort of a tall tale to make it more interesting. I think that's kind of interesting to see, too. And I think it gave me a lot more perspective for when I watch other stories that might explode like this to sort of remind myself that everything I'm reading on someone else's blog probably isn't 100% of the truth of what's happening. You know, you're you're getting it second and third and 57th hand, and, you know, the story's going to change a little bit. So I think those were probably my two biggest takeaway points from this. Um, how many uh, backlinks did you get from this? Oh, geez. Um, Matt Bailey and I were trying to keep track of it, and I think the last time we checked at some point yesterday, it was probably somewhere in the realm of 2,500. But I think, hold on one second. Now, if I check on Technorati right now, before all this happened, you know, Technorati will show, like, so many links from so many websites. And I think it was reading some, something like 150 links from 87 blogs. And right now, it's, <laughs> it says 754 links from 289 blogs. So it basically, what, like times seven or eight, my links? I, so it's, what, not even quintupled. I, what's, I don't know what the word is for eight. That's double epiphany level. <laughs> yeah, okay, yes, there you go. That is epiphany level in, in link realm. So that, that's been kind of... It's just, and of course, with the second round coming, you know, of everyone spreading the word that there was the apology, that number is probably going to go up even further. So, apparently, breasts and pork make great link bait. Who knew that such a combination would score so well? I sure didn't, but <laughs> I don't know. The, the whole industry had already talked about my chest at some point in time, so I guess it was just getting it out there to all the people outside the industry so they could talk about it too. <laughs> Um, I can honestly say I, for one, have not spoken about your personal chest. Well, see, you're, you're in the minority then, because <laughs> most people in the industry have at some point, so it, it's amazing the things you can end up being famous for. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to get off that topic, right? <laughs> Good idea. Um, but I do agree with you that social marketing for, you know, a lot of people, it just doesn't make sense. And I think a lot of people that are jumping on the social marketing bandwagon are not going to be happy with the results they get. Right. But, you know, if you're a king of social marketing, um, you can always figure out some angle to get some benefit from social marketing. But if you're a mom and pop and you're a local website for a local business, it's probably not the best way for you to, you know, best bang for your buck. Yeah, and I think the key is if you're a small business, I don't think it's so much about trying to manufacture a way to get into social media or to get into the buzz. I think it's more taking advantage of it when the opportunity arises on its own. I mean, you know, I didn't sit around going, hey, how can I get sued by the National Pork Board? Because, boy, that'd be fun to get on dig. But... When it happened, obviously my first thought was, oh, this could really fly. And then to send some, you know, emails out to some key bloggers and say, hey, I just posted this, you might be interested in it, and then sort of sitting back and watching it happen. So it's not manufacturing it, but it's also being ready and knowing enough about it that you can jump on it should the situation present itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, very true. Um, because when you try to fabricate something out of nothing, uh, they're going to smell it, and people are going to know what you're doing. But when something like this comes along, everybody knows, you know, National Pork Council, you didn't call them up and say, wow, do I have a devious plan that we can do. <laughs> you know, so when things like this happen, make the most out of it. Um, look for the silver lining in the cloud. But 
I don't think anybody in their right mind would ever want to uh, encourage somebody to sue them or to come up with false stories just to get into DIG exactly. or Technorati or any of the other, uh, you know, uh, Netscape or any other sources. By the way, who is the uh, best source to uh, drive you the traffic and the links? Um, oddly enough, it looks like DIG and Netscape um, were kind of tied on that one, which surprised me. But if I think about it, Netscape's probably a little more my target audience. But Metafilter was up there really high. Metafilter actually came in third. But, you know, when you start to dig down a little further, there's some funny ones in here. Like, it made the front page of Boing Boing, but a site called Feminist Mormon Housewives actually sent about double the traffic that Boing Boing did. So, you know, digging in here, or like Two Money <laughs> actually sorry, sent me more visitors than Search Engine Land. You know, some of the things that you don't expect to happen, but then when you get in there and sort of dig at the log files and see, you know, what, what sparks interest among that site's readers, it's kind of cool to get that type of information. Now, so, how much yeah, traffic they, did they Google send compared to the feminist Mormons? Say that again? How much traffic did Google send you compared to feminist Mormons? Um, well, let's see. If I look at, oh, like that one-week period, Google was about 5.6% of my traffic, and Feminist Mormon Housewives was about half a percent of my traffic. So it's about 10 times more coming from Google than from that one site, but that site still made, say, like the top 20 referrers, which is pretty good because I never knew Feminist Mormon Housewives was a site. I'm still cheering them on. I think they can take the number one spot. <laughs> Every like feminist Mormon that's listening, get on your computer right now. <laughs> uh, and by the way, um, towards the end of the show, as always, we're going to ask the uh, live listeners in the chat room to ask any questions they have about all the stuff we've covered today. And the best question will get a free T-shirt from the Lactivist store, courtesy of the Good Karma Show. Um, so everybody... Get your questions ready, and best question that we like, we'll give a free T-shirt to. Oh, no, that could be a fun game. So, yeah. Um, all right, so pretty much social marketing, we got that covered. And so we're saying the local guy, really social marketing, uh, unless lightning strikes, it's pretty much not going to be that helpful to him. Right. Now, that's not to say that, you know, social marketing, I think, kind of gets limited to stuff like Dig, but the reality is you've got, you know, Flickr and, like, you know, TripAdvisor and all these great sites out there that are full of consumer-generated media reviews and that kind of stuff. And I think there's a lot of creative ways to, you know, sort of get in there and not stealthily market your business because, again, you, you don't want to do stuff under false pretenses, but just to get in there and become part of the community and let that alone help improve your business online. Well... Right, because it would be wrong to go under multiple computers and log into places that allow commenting and stuff the ballot box with positive comments about your site yes, and give a false I'm impression no that, that. But say you know you're a local restaurant and someone comes up to you and says, you know, hey, that was one of the best meals I've had in forever. There's certainly nothing wrong with saying to that person, you know, hey, we'd really appreciate that. If you have time. You know, why don't you pop by a site like, you know, Yahoo and maybe write up a review, you know, and tell people what you think. There's nothing wrong with doing that and sort of working those types of things into your, you know, everyday business practice because there's nothing sneaky about that. It's just smart marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of smart marketing, let's give a quick rundown for, you know, small shops or newbies starting out, some tips to make the most out of it. You know, we're in general, not just limited to social marketing. Let's talk about, in general, Internet marketing. What can they do to make themselves more successful? Oh, let's see. Is this where, like, my top ten mistakes kind of list comes into play? Yeah, let's go on that. Okay. Um, let's see. I'll run through these reasonably quick. You stop me if you want to. Um, my biggest one is probably looking for a magic formula. I think that's you mean a there is mistake one? that a lot of people make. And this fits on things like search marketing, you know, where they want to know exactly how many keywords per page or what density or how many links. You know, or even like email marketing, you know, how many people do I need on my email list? Any type of magic formula that they think is going to work for them, you have to get past that type of thinking 
And I think you have to think a little broader when you're a small business because you've got to be able to take sort of those general philosophies of marketing and figure out the creative ways to make them fit with what it is you do. Um, My second one, failing to have a search-friendly site. This is a huge one, and I see this with small businesses all the time. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's really old-school mistakes like using a framed site or, you know, even newer ones like throwing up something that's all flash and not having any type of alternative content. It's not real hard to go to Google, type in Spider Simulator, you know, go to the first one that pops up and enter your, you know, the address of your website and see what a search engine can see. That's not tough to do. So there shouldn't be any excuse to have a website out there that a search engine can't read. Um, targeting the wrong keywords. This is a big one, too. There's some great sites out there, uh, Word Tracker, Keyword Discovery. It's not expensive to get a subscription, to get in there and play around a little bit to see what people are actually searching for. So a lot of companies will focus on, you know, well, this is what I think people type in to search for me, but in reality it might be something totally different. So getting out and doing a little bit of research on that. And Um, actually for just talking a little bit more about the keywords, don't uh-huh. go for the largest keyword, um, yeah, just because. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, just because something searched for like, let's say, ten more times. Um, for instance, I was helping out a friend of mine, and uh, he's a probate lawyer. Okay, probate's pretty much like when you have um, estate planning and you gotta do some filing at the local courthouse. So he helps people that are doing those filings. Well, people searching for probate lawyer, very little traffic but that's the traffic he wants. People searching for, you know, do-it-yourself probate, a lot more traffic, but they're never going to be hiring the lawyer. Exactly. And that's where something like, uh, the I call it the search term buying cycle, and you've probably heard that phrase at some point, but mm-hmm. understanding that comes in. Just to give a quick rundown of it, it's basically sort of like you said, you know, understanding what someone's intent is based off their search term. But people tend to start off searching fairly generically, you know, say for, like, used cars. And that's sort of their, you know, research phase. And then they're going to dig a little bit deeper, and they might start to narrow it down to, you know, like used SUVs or, you know, used pickup trucks. And then eventually they get down to where they're closer to the buying stage, and their search terms are going to change into things like, you know, used 1997 Volvo or, you know, used whatever specific SUV. So a lot of times you can tell just based on the search term where they are in that process. And one, you can use that to figure out who you want to target. And two, you can also make sure that the pages on your site that are optimized for those phrases fit sort of that, you know, mental mode that people are in when they come to your site with those types of terms. So, you know, getting in there and digging a little bit beyond just what do people search for, but understanding why they're searching for it and how you can best address that can really make a big difference in how you succeed. Yep. All Uh, right. Moving on, next point. Huh? Hold on. Give me one second, and I think I can fix that. Okay, so hopping back on my list. Um... Let's see, two big mistakes for pay-per-click. One is running pay-per-click without doing any type of ROI tracking. And again, I see this a ton. Small business owners that will say, you know, well, I spent $500 last month on Google and it got me, you know, 578,000 new visitors. And I'll say, okay, well, great. What did those visitors do on your site? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, you need to track that type of stuff. Even just the very basic level of, you know, understanding how what percentage of people are buying or going in and doing some tracking to see, ideally, you know, per keyword, which people are buying or which people are subscribing to your newsletter. Because when you put it out there and you're pouring all that money into one pot, it's kind of like targeting, you know, 27 different TV commercials with one budget. If you don't have a way to track how each of them is performing, then you can't cancel the ones that aren't doing, you know, aren't doing you any good and put that money towards the ones that are working really well. So even just a basic level ROI tracking could make a huge difference on pay-per-click. And then the second pay-per-click problem I see a lot is not using specific landing pages. Um, a lot of times you'll see people starting out, they'll throw up a campaign, and they're funneling all the traffic through to the front page of their site. Well, once people get to the front page of the site, you know, if they were looking for a specific product and you sell it, now you're telling them, okay, take the time to find this product on my website. 
it's not hard to go back in and make sure that every keyword you're bidding on is sending people to the absolute most specific page on your site for that keyword. And that alone can make a huge difference in the number of conversions that you get. Actually, uh, I'm going to jump in right now. We're going to okay. take another quick commercial break, listen to our fabulous sponsors, and we'll be right back with part two of the common tips, uh, common mistakes and good tips for small businesses online. Stay tuned, everybody. Stick around. Good Karma. We'll be back after this short break. Excellent, excellent. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearch searchmedia.com today. Best of the web, the internet's oldest directory, EOTW.org, since 1994. Our editors scour the web finding quality sites, providing users with spam-free resources, relevant information from valuable sites. Submit your site now for a guaranteed review in three days or less. For webmasters needing additional exposure, check out our 60-day free trial on category sponsorships. 60 days free advertising. No kidding. And don't forget the best of the web's reseller program. With the industry's highest commissions, 25% recurring commission on all products and services. Bloggers, make sure to check out the BOTW blog directory and the recently launched volunteer editor program to help build the best blog resource on the web. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. It's a little pet peeve of mine, right? Go on the web and somebody writes up about me and they put web gorilla, as in the monkey. Not gorilla, like, you know, warfare, terrorists. We're gonna do the monkey. Hi, this is Greg Bozer. Do the monkey. A.K.A. Monkey Boy. Monkey, monkey. Sometimes I get a little pissy. That's alright. But I gotta tell you, dude, he made you look like a good chimp. He did. Do the monkey. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're confusing me. Monkeypicks.co.uk. Funny bastard, isn't he? I swear to God, if you play that promo one more time, I'm publishing the photo. How much is that gorilla in the window? arrived at the destination for education and entertainment webmasterradio.fm because not everyone's last name is gates webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere now back to good karma only on webmasterradio.fm now here's your host Hey everybody, Greg Nyland here. I got Jennifer Laycock, editor of SearchEngineGuide.com. Um, great resource for all of the newbies or even intermediate level internet marketers out there. And we're going over her top ten list of common mistakes and helpful hints for small businesses online. Um, so we're about midway through the list, and let's see what do we got coming up. What's the next tip of words of wisdom you have for us, Jennifer? Oh, let's see. Next words of wisdom, uh, focusing too much on building links and too little on building content. And that's, a, that's another big one that I see going on a lot right now. Um, I teach on link baiting and do some seminars on those sometimes, too. And, you know, link baiting is really, really hot right now. But what cracks me up is link baiting is sort of like the sexy new term that we made up to describe something that we've been doing forever anyways, which is creating really good, unique content that makes people want to link to it without you asking them. So it's 
you know, trying to get people to realize, you know, when they're asking, well, how do I link bait? How do I link bait? Well, you got to come up with something really original and really unique, and that's sort of what business is all about anyways. So, you know, just trying to get people to remember that, you know, they've got to, they've got to focus on their site, and some of this other stuff tends to fall in place on its own. If you're a small business owner, you don't really have the time to obsess on all these things like some of the rest of us do. So focus on making the content on your site really great and on occasionally throwing up something really new and interesting, and that alone will go a long way towards building you some links. Yeah, and I mean, if your site only has three pages and you ask for a link, (laughs) it's going to be hard for them to say, sure, I'd love to link to you. But if your site has 30 pages of quality content, well, I can tell you the odds of getting, you know, somebody linking to you is a lot higher. Exactly. And actually, another one to throw in there with that, we'll we'll call it like the subset of this rule, is... uh, looking at link building the same way that you look at your offline relationship building, because essentially when you ask someone for a link, you're asking them to sort of put their reputation on the line, backing what they're going to find, you know, when they get to your website. So I always equate it, you know, when you look at those, uh, those great massive email lists that, you know, people will send out to, hey, I found your site, fill in the blank, you know, will you link back to me? I always equate those to walking into, say, your local chamber, chamber of commerce and throwing a stack of business cards up in the air and screaming, hey, everybody, come do business with me, and then running back out the door. It's not going to go over real well locally at that chamber of commerce meeting, so I don't understand why people think it would go over well if they do it via email. Whereas instead, if they take the time to sort of build a relationship with someone, you know, again, via email, drop them a letter, talk about something you read on their site, strike up some conversation. And once you've exchanged an email or two, then it suddenly becomes really easy to ask for that link or to share that content that's going to get you the link without even asking. You know, people just need to put a little more time and effort into building those relationships, and the links are sort of going to follow naturally. Yep, from all the scraper sites. (laughs) Oh, you meant good quality links. Yes, I meant good quality links. I mean, and look at, you know, especially in the world of blogging, if you look at, like, our own little industry, you tend to see the same people linking to each other over and over and over again. Sometimes it's because they know each other and they're friends, but sometimes it's because, you know, they've started to sort of mutually appreciate each other's content and information, and that's where the friendship and relationship comes from is that, you know, start of, hey, this is a great article, I'm going to link to it. And the person notices that and goes and checks the site the link came from, well, hey, they've got a great article too. So just looking at it more like doing business than, you know, links as being commodities. I think that can make a big difference. Unless, of uh, let's course, see. You're... We've also got, and this one's also kind of tied, um, obsessing over page rank. And I don't see quite as many people doing this anymore, which is a good thing. But, you know, there was a while there where you'd get all those emails, I'm looking for a PR6 link. I have a PR3 page that I'm willing to, you know, give you a link on. People just obsessing over that little green bar. And Google themselves have told us time and time again, you know, it's not accurate. It doesn't tell you exactly what your page rank is. In reality, who cares? I mean, yes, it can bump you up some of the rankings, but, you know, the site that has no incoming links today could get sued by the National Pork Board tomorrow and suddenly have a ton of incoming links. And, you know, then there's some value to be had. So stop focusing on what someone's page rank is or what your page rank is and start looking for the sites that are actually going to send you visitors that might do something once they get to your site. And when people start to focus on it more that way, I think they'll see a lot more good come out of their link-building efforts. I will put a little asterisk on that, though, and I do agree that uh, 99% of the time, page rank is overhyped and just don't worry about it. But there is a 1% reason that you actually do need to worry about page rank. Um, when you're sending out link requests and asking people to link to your site, even if it's a quality site, you need to worry a little bit about the green pixels in the page rank because a lot of uh, ignorant uh, webmasters will not link back to you at all if you don't have some page rank. So for that 1% of the time, you do need some page rank, but 99% of the time, just it's blown out of proportion. Stop worrying about it and just worry about good quality uh, content on the site. Yeah, I won't argue with you on that one. That's, that's fair enough. Well, and of course, if, you know, if there's the nice dreaded gray line you know, that tells you something really bad's going on, 
and yeah. you know, or maybe even just that the site is new enough that it's not any place yet. But sometimes it's worth doing a little digging on something like that. But in general, if there's some green showing up there, don't really worry about how much green is showing up. Uh, well, let's see. We talked some on social media already, um, but social media does kind of fall into my list of uh, failing to use it creatively. And I sort of hinted at this earlier with you know Yahoo and the reviews and such. But my friend Matt McGee over at uh, Small Business SEM, I've heard him give some great talks on some ways to creatively use social media. One of the examples he gave was uh, Flickr groups. And I don't know if you've ever gotten in and looked around on those, but Flickr has you know, sort of topical groups for all sorts of you know, different photo-related things. Anything you could think to take a picture of, there's probably a group on. And when you join, there's then discussion boards that go with them so people can, you know, talk about their love of taking shots of spiders or whatever. So one of the things he suggested was if you have the type of product that's really photogenic and that people really talk about from that perspective, you know, say you make luxury yachts or luxury sailboats, joining a group like that and uploading, you know, some really detailed photos of the different parts of your product and joining in the conversation can be a great way to introduce your offerings to a whole new crowd of people. Or, you know, maybe you do wedding cakes, you know, or something like that where people are going and looking for ideas. Those can be some good creative ways to get in there, you know, without, again, trying to focus on getting on that first page of Dig, but still making use of social media to market your business. So I think it's just about, you know, figuring out what sites are sort of a fit for your target market and how can you get in there and creatively make use of it. Uh, let's see. Oh, another big one. Um, mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, okay. Uh, failing to find out what people are saying about you online. This is, again, a big one. Uh, when I talk on online reputation management, I try to convince everybody that if at absolute minimum they don't have Google alerts and Yahoo alerts set up on their business name and the names of their key executives, then they're making a big mistake. And again, you know, Technorati links, Blog Pulse links, all of these, it's a great way to find out what's being said about you because with as many people as are talking online and blogging online, there's a good chance someone's going to talk about you or your product or your services. And when they do, you need to be ready to respond to that. So sometimes that means looking for you know, people who are having problems and swooping in and offering up a solution, but sometimes it also means when people are saying good things about you and coming up with a creative way to, take a, you know, to make an example out of that. Um, I'm thinking just today, I plugged on the Lactivist and I uh, told a story about going grocery shopping this past weekend with my two-year-old and my four-month-old, which if anyone has ever taken two small children grocery shopping, they'll understand that it's not always the funnest thing to do. Well, at the end, I like I to use a lot of cloth syrup when I do that. <laughs> you do that or you don't do that? Oh, no, I give the kids a lot of cough syrup. They're really nice and happy and quiet. <laughs> Okay, well, if you, if you go grocery shopping without drugging your children, <laughs> then you'll definitely relate to uh, how interesting an experience that can be. So at the end of my blog, I talked about how my reward to myself for surviving these grocery shopping trips is that I'll buy myself a Naked Juice or an Odwalla, which are, you know, sort of those funky fruit smoothie kind of beverages that cost way more than they ever should, but, you know, they're... No connection to pornography. Yes, no connections to pornography with Naked Juice. Now, if Naked Juice was smart, and I'm not saying they're not, but if they, let's say they were keeping an eye out on people who blog about Naked Juice. Let's say you spotted a post like that. You could very easily contact that person and say, hey, we saw this post. You know, we understand how rough it is to go out and grocery shop with kids. So here's a coupon, you know, for free juice the next time you go. Or, you know, here's a free one per month for the next year. You know, little things like that that don't cost a lot, but then suddenly result in some great goodwill and some great press. Um, I think it was Aston Martin that did this last year. There was a guy who blogged that said one of the things he wanted to do before he died was to drive an Aston Martin. And they happened to spot that blog post. And they actually showed up at his house with an Aston Martin and keys to it and said, it's yours for the day, have fun. Well, he not only blogged about it, but then obviously everyone else thought it was a fascinating story, too, and they blogged about it, and Austin Martin got some great publicity out of it. So, you know, doing things like that to see what people are saying about you and figuring out the ways that you can sort of take advantage and keep the buzz going or fix the buzz if it's negative, 
those can play a huge role in marketing your business. Especially if you're a local service, you know, like a dentist or a doctor or auto mechanic, you want to know if people are talking good things or bad things about you. Yes, and if someone had a horrible experience, then you need to be contacting them to see how you can fix it because, as we learned with the National Pork Board, people are just as willing to blog about the good things as the bad. And, you know, it seems that if you can sort of save that customer relationship by fixing it, then you're probably going to end up building more goodwill than you would have if something hadn't happened in the first place. You know, a lot of times people just don't even give it a second thought unless something bad has happened and then they've gotten a good response. So, yeah, getting out there, you know, even if it's just once a week and running searches on a couple of key sites and seeing if there's anything new popping up about you makes a big world of difference. Um, And then I guess my last one would be skimping on analytics. And we talked a little bit about this uh, back when I was mentioning pay-per-click. But Mm -hmm. not not having some type of good analytics in place. There's a lot of people that are using things like, you know, Google Analytics, some of the free services, and that's better than nothing. But I always kind of feel that you're going to get out of your analytics a little bit what you're willing to put in it. And I think once you get to the point where you can afford any type of analytics, you need to get something that's, you know, I don't want to say a real program because you can get some good information out of Google, but someplace where you're basically not sharing all of your proprietary data with someone else. You know, I can ask myself, do I want the company that I'm bidding on pay-per-click terms through to know exactly which of those terms convert and at exactly what rate? Well, no, really I don't because they can use that information to their advantage. So, you know, they can contact my competitors and say, hey, these are great phrases. Why aren't you bidding on them? So I would always rather have a good analytics program, you know, in place where I can get in and really dig through my data uh, my program of choice, and I always like to throw a, a plug in for them because they're just great guys, is uh, ClickTrack. And that's what I've been playing with, uh, with you know, the activist thing the last couple of days just to see what's happening. And they've got some great features in there that make it really easy for a small business owner to get in and dig around and find some, you know, good information about their site. So don't skimp on your analytics and learn enough about analytics that you can really start to tell some things based on what people are doing on your site. And that would wrap up my 10... Ten big tips. <sighs> My wrist is tired from writing down all that stuff. <laughs> well, you know, there's podcast archives. You could have just listened to it later. If only I had thought about that. <laughs> so anything big you think I missed? No, actually, I think that's a pretty good list um, for starting off. Um, you know, th- of course, there's a lot more stuff that you can get into and things like that. But really just... Work on developing a quality site. Um, once you have a quality site, go out, ask for links, you know, with relevant places. Um, the quality of link is just as important as your quantity of links. And use social marketing um, and use PPC and come up with the right combination. Um, for some people, you know, 50% PPC, 40% SEO, 10% social marketing is a good mix. Some people, email marketing might actually be a good mix, plus, you know, uh, SEO and other things. So just use the tools, be smart, consider your reputation, because most businesses are going to be around for a good long time, so you don't want to be burning any bridges. So before you do something, think about, is this going to upset somebody, and am I going to make, you know, a bad reputation? So you don't want to do that. And, you know, National Pork Council, they made an uh, accidental mistake. They quickly realized it, and, you know, they, they value their reputation, and that's why they fixed it so quickly. Also, because they're good people, or we hope so. <laughs> they seem to be good people. I'm going to go over the questions. So everybody listening in the chat room, last chance to get in on the uh, question contest. I'm going to say the uh, questions, and top question gets a free T-shirt, courtesy of Good Karma Show, from the Lactivist um, charity blog site. What what do you call your store? Um. Just the lactivist. Okay, just the lactivist. Okay, going through the list here. Question number one. Um, How should someone respond to a cease and desist letter? Ooh, that's a good question. 
well, it, it depends. If you did something wrong, you're going to respond in a whole, whole different way than if you didn't do something wrong. Um, so I'd say, you know, consider how right do you think you are and how much is it worth fighting for, and then make your decision based on that. And I would also add, definitely don't respond emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Sometimes that works a little bit. But, yeah, you, you've got to look at it factually and not emotionally. That's fair. Um, well, you respond emotionally, and people are going to dig in their heels, and they're going to say, I don't care if it's going to cost me, you know, 40 grand to make this guy's life miserable. I'm going to drop 40 grand. So um, you never want to piss off somebody. Um, question number two, is Google Jumpstart a good way to use PPC? Google Jumpstart. Um, oh, that, is that what they're calling their new, like, starter edition, pay-per-click? I've been a little out of the loop, what with just having had a baby, so some of the name changes aren't really flying for me. Yeah, I think um, that is assuming a starting that, for PPC. Yeah, okay, assuming that's sort of their starter edition, um, it's a way to get out there, but there's a you don't have near as much control on it. I mean, you can't... I believe you can pretty much set like your daily budget, but then Google goes ahead and sets the per bid or per click uh, cost, which obviously is not a good thing once you start to get into your ROI. So if it's just a way to get it up there and to start working, I'd say sure. But within a week's time, you need to be switching over to the uh, standard edition so you can actually get in there and get some control over your account. Yeah, I'd actually would say don't even do that. Just learn right away. Stay up late one night. Um, head over to um, searchengineguide.com or Webmaster World or any of the other great you know search engine forums out there, and figure out how to do PPC properly. And don't go the lazy road because you're not going to be happy with it. Yes, that's very true. Uh, actually, a little confusion in the chat room. Um, you made a comment earlier about PageRank boosting ranks in this, uh, Google. PageRank boosting ranks. Well, now I'm confused, too. Um, um, she said, she just said PR can bump you up in the rankings. Oh, okay. Me <laughs> okay, meaning Google, when they're looking at things like incoming links, is going to look at you know things like the age of the link, the text of the link, the quality of the site sending the link. Um, so in some ways, that's sort of loosely tied to the page rank, um, because obviously a higher page rank site is usually going to qualify more as an authority site. So like Search Engine Guide, I think it wavers between like page rank 7 and 8, um, you know, within the search industry. And then you may have like Joe Schmo's search marketing blog that, you know, might be like a page rank 4. Well, a link from Search Engine Guide is going to do more to boost you in the search engines than a link from Joe Schmo's blog just because Google or Yahoo or whoever will view Search Engine Guide as more of an authority site. So you can sort of loosely look at something like PageRank and understand how much of an authority that site is recognized as, and getting links from higher PageRank sites can help you rank better. But again, I say all those things very loosely and with the caveat that you can't you know, get so wrapped up in PageRank that you forget everything else. Right. It's not a direct correlation, but in general, page rank does mean, you know, quality of links. And therefore, you know, the better quality of links you want to link into you. Um, Got to wrap it up. So time for two quick questions. What about PPC in Yellow Pages Online? Oh, geez. I've never even delved into the Yellow Pages one, so I'm afraid to even answer that question. <laughs> Sorry. That's a cop-out, but... I don't do much in the realm of yellow pages because I'm not a big fan of them online or off. So I would put my money someplace else. Um, I would say uh, certain businesses can do quite well in yellow pages, but most businesses I've experienced um, do much better elsewhere. Um, final question, trying to pick a good one here. Um, What's a good free analytics program? Good free analytics program? Um, well, Google 
uh, Google Analytics free and pretty darn good. Um, and actually, my friends over at ClickTracks, they do have a free version. I think it's called Appetizer that does have some good basic level data in it. You know, it's kind of fun to get in and play around with. So I'd say maybe play around with the two of those. And, you know, if you're going to use, again, if you're going to use Google Analytics, it's fine to start with. But plan on once you start figuring out your ROI and making profits on investing in something that's maybe a little stronger and, you know, a little more, I don't know, keeping your information to yourselfish. <laughs> well, excellent. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Any final words of wisdom? Um, I don't think so, other than maybe don't get sued, or if you do, make sure it's over something that's uh, worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, and then quickly let all your blogger and social marketing friends know. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and great news to hear about um, how it got resolved for you. And everybody listening, see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.